Welcome to another episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Hey, thank you so much for joining us at the Week Pastors Podcast. We are grateful that you are with us today. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful, bright day, but it's a cold day for us here in New Jersey. How's it in Ohio, Sua? There's no sun. It's just clouds. It's always like this. I don't know. You know, there was a meme recently about how God gave us free will and why did we choose it like why did we choose to live in columbus um i feel it <laughs> it's free will yeah exactly okay okay well you know we've just been so grateful for the outpouring of uh, your support on yes. this and our goal really is to do the best we can to keep this raw and real and sometimes you might get offended uh, we recognize that and I, we're not trying to offend you. We're just trying to be very vulnerable and honest. Mm -hmm. And if we do offend you, we apologize. We'll do our best. But please do comment, share that with us because I think that's important. We want this to be interactive. Yeah. You can just get on weekpastor.org and I think you can uh, make your comment, your feedback. We'd love to hear from you um, always. And even if it's bad uh, feedback, it's okay. You know, we can handle <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, Sue because, and I can stomach bad feedback. Well, bad feedback because, you know, sometimes we have, this is why I think it's different to have conversations in a podcast and then put it out there versus having intimate conversations in the confines of an office yeah. or just two people because we know each other's intentions, but you may not necessarily know us, so you don't really know exactly what we're saying. So it's yeah. helpful if you guys give us feedback and if there's something that kind of doesn't, mm. um, does rubs you the wrong way or you feel like, no, I don't think that's, that's very good, please let us know because then we yeah. can at least try to have a conversation about it. You know, it's not supposed to be us preaching to you. We want to hear from you as well. So absolutely me and email spoken, spoken like a true executive producer. <laughs> You're so I'm gonna add that to my resume. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> All right. So Sue, I, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, I've learned a new word uh, from my kids and I just, I can't stop using it. I even use it out of context. <laughs> have you heard of this word, this short phrase called sus not phrase but short word called sus that's sus like my kids will be like that's so sus and i'm like oh wow suspect oh is that how you say sus so i'm like i'm, I'm using that word that's sus, sus all the time like I, and i use it out I'm of context for you like kayla won't come downstairs i'm like kayla why are you so sus right now and she's like dad that's not how you use the word but I'm i so like to use the word when i get into a word i like to use it a lot and so what i want to do is i want us to oh do something fun i want us to talk about what is something that is sus about you so i'm going to answer what is something that is sus about sua and Sua, you're going to answer what is something that is sus. <laughs> what kind of question is this? Me? No, this is this is where Who's it's going to be fun. Who's coming up with these questions? It's going to be fun. I am. Oh, I'm coming up with these questions. But I'm going to share so you can think about it. But I'm going to go first because I there is something so sus about you. And it bothers me what sometimes. What is sus okay? about me? All right. So here's I'm the thing. Sus. All right. All right, with the exception of your husband, John, okay? Because I think he is a, a handsome, mm -hmm. I don't you know, know where uh, this is going. He, is a, he is a good looking dude, all uh -huh. right? He definitely is. Yeah, we'll have him on hottie. the podcast one day. Yeah. He's definitely a hottie. But <laughs> don't I make think, promises you can't keep. All right. <laughs> I think your taste in men, like your definition of who you think is hot, is incredibly sus. How you know dare why. you? I have right? great you know taste why, right? in men. Why do you think I say that? Why do you oh, think God. I say you that? You know. <laughs> it better, this better not be about Lester Holt. <laughs> yes, it's about Lester Holt. That is so 
sus. I've never met what is one wrong with woman. Lester Holt. No, no, no. Lester, Lester Holt listen, is a dreamboat. <laughs> See, he's a dreamboat. You hear this? Less, that some some people don't even know who Lester Holt is. He's the anchor, lead anchor <laughs> of NBC Nightly News. Okay, years ago, even before he was the lead anchor, this was years ago. Like he was just a reporter. She said to me in her office, Lester <laughs> Holt is a hottie. I was like, what? I used to work a, with that guy at NBC. This must have been a truly shocking co comment to you because you barely remember anything I tell you. But somehow this has been burned in your brain for this many years. Sua, that was so sus. That was so sus. I could not I don't not understand. Believe. You know, I disagree. I don't understand what is so sus about Lester Holt being a hottie. A, dream, a dreamboat and a hottie. Yes. I, I think it's sus. I mean, I, I couldn't understand it. I mean, the Washington. man is fine. <laughs> <laughs> God spent a little extra time on Lester Holt. Oh my you know? goodness. Okay, okay. I mean, right. he's got this like intelligent like way of communicating. He dresses so well. I mean, yeah, he, I'm not going to lie. Okay. He but they have slightly, to wear suits and tie all the time. He has a slightly receding forehead, you know, Yo. but... With slightly that, but, you know but even slightly. that i feel like adds to his character you know it okay. just like gives him a little bit of character and slightly i stand is, by is my choice okay. i stand by my choice lester okay. holt a fine human being All right. um you know recently one of my friends shout out to simon <laughs> young uh messaged me saying you know why we don't have a video version of our podcast and i said to him that's because i don't have a video face but right. you know who has a video face lester, lester holt, holt? Lester okay, holt, okay. You know? all right all right well anyway that is something that's sus about you okay i mean if you sus. say brad pitt you say denzel washington i'm like <laughs> totally get it but no. i've never heard anyone ever say they don't have lester what holt lester is holt a hottie has. okay he just all right. has something different all right well, sua, sua what is something that is sus about me i think the question needs to be what is not sus about <laughs> lester peter um you know i'm gonna tell you um a funny story i don't know if this is I don't even know if I'm using this word correctly. I'm like closer to the boomers at this point than the people who use these words. Um, so even yeah, even though you're a millennial, I'm a geriatric millennial. Oh goodness, that's gracious. literally what they oh, phrase. Goodness. Born 1984, I'm a geriatric millennial. All right, but um, sometimes I don't know if we, what I find sus about Pastor Peter. Is I don't know if sometimes he's using this label of being transparent as an excuse to do whatever the <laughs> heck he wants. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll give you an example. Yeah, give me okay, an example. I'll give you an example. Well, you know, Pastor Peter goes, he's always done Silence and Solitude, but there was one um, season when he really went hard on Sundays about Silence and Solitude. Like, you have to do Silence and Solitude. I never compromise on my Silence and Solitude. It is something yeah. I do every um, week on Thursdays, I think. Was it Thursday mornings? Yeah, it was mornings? Thursdays back then. It's Fridays and, now, yeah. Yeah, Thursday mornings. I don't even come into the office. I just basically do this very holy thing where I just fast and I pray oh, no. to the I don't Lord on my knees. <laughs> and then one time he had preached about it on Sunday. And then that Thursday, John happened to be at CVS in Leonia. <laughs> <laughs> and who does he see? Pastor Peter shopping for toothpaste or whatever he was doing. So John sees me. He's like, oh, wait, it's Thursday at 10. And he's supposed to be on his knees praying to the Lord. But instead, <laughs> he's at CVS running errands. And I don't want to, you know, embarrass him because I've just caught him doing something bad. So I'm just going to quietly walk away and not, you know, because I don't want to embarrass him. And then he said he was like walking away. And you were like, hey, man. Hey, John, what's up? What are you doing? And he was like, do you think that he's just 
doesn't care or this is part of his whole transparent vulnerable thing you know so you know i wonder yes it's great but are you just using this whole thing to just be like you know what you know i what? just do what i want i just do you, what i want you tell me these things like it's just like i don't remember even meeting john at a cvs like i don't have any recollection he but he remembers all i know is this umbrella of grace there are times <laughs> most of the times i always I 9 know. to 12 was my time of silence to south perhaps that time i need to get toothpaste i need to go to cvs or maybe i was sick i need to pick up a medication sure. or my kids were sick i had to pick up some drugs for them so i always make the fine. exception you gotta you gotta <laughs> offer yourself grace and mercy and sometimes you have to be flexible there are exceptions and i guess that's what that is but it's i didn't even know you could share that. that's hilarious yeah, it's like, a little sus. Yeah, i thought he was supposed to be you know it's a little sus on his knees it's, it's a little <laughs> sus i give you that but i think your taste in who you think is hot is more okay, sus we can agree than mine. to disagree all right okay, we can agree okay. to disagree on that well that's we have a really give me a okay. call <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we we have a we have a real good show for you today. A good episode. Uh, we wanted to talk, and it's hard to like laugh so much. And now we want to actually talk about My a real serious topic. Yeah, exactly. But um, something that I think a lot of us struggle with regularly is doubt. Doubt is uh, something that we struggle with regularly. Sometimes our doubts get so big, and another word for doubt could be fear. Uh, it gets so big that uh, that it paralyzes us. And I know from my own personal experience, but also just as being a pastor of a church, that I, I, I have seen people uh, take their doubts and it almost looks like a Mount Everest that they have to climb. Mm. And, uh, and, it's, and, it's, and it's really sad and, and, and I feel incredible amount of compassion, but sadness when I see people just let their doubts become bigger than God. And so I kind of wanted us to spend a, spend this episode and just talking about doubt and how we have wrestled with it in our lives. But before we even do that, or and, and what has really helped, and I've done a lot of like sort of like study on this stuff of where does doubt come from, and we'll talk about that. But I wanted to just kind of start off by saying, you know, like for you, Sua, uh, I, I, it's hard. I mean, you're it's hard to like pick one out, but if you can pick a time in your life where you had probably the greatest or the highest level of doubt that you struggled with, what would that be? I mean, <clears throat> I think doubt, there's different forms of it, right? And so there's always the doubt of, um, there's a doubt of, is God real? And you know what? Mm -hmm. Maybe you guys have never asked those questions, but I periodically do. Um, I don't, in the beginning, yeah. I used to shoot them down real quick because I felt like that was speaking to the fact that I had no faith. But as yeah, I've gotten yeah. older, I think that it's become more evident to me that, you know what, this is part of my faith journey. Mm. Um, and so I try to keep it real by asking those questions. But yeah. today I'm going to focus on a slightly different type of doubt, which is kind of doubt of my identity, of who mm. I am. Um, and I think I want to go back to when I left Metro. Okay. Um, and this was a very interesting time for me um, because all my life I had been well, not all my life, but all my adult life, I had been somebody who was either in school or working. And so I had a title of somebody who did something efficient and productive. Mm. Um, I had output, okay? Like I had output. So if somebody asked me like, what do you do? And you know what? People don't even ask, what do you do? People say like, you know when they ask kids, what do you want to be? They don't yeah. ever ask kids, what do you want to do when you grow up, right? They say, mm. what do you want to be? And so yeah. the being is tied to your occupation. Yes, and so yes, it when, is. And I think this is like subtle messaging, but it's very real. It's very powerful. And so when I ended up leaving Metro, 
which made me no longer have a job. I mean, I had a job like in the sense that I was a stay-at-home mom now. Right. Uh, but I which didn't is the have most important job title. in the world. By it's the way. a very, you know, yes. Mark Twain said, "The hand that rocks the cradle rocks the world." So it's a very Dang, powerful girl, job. Go but I like that. Yep. But I mean, I tell this my, to myself every day. I need to tell mm-hmm. this to myself every day. But it was really difficult for me when I left my job. Mm. A, because I love my job at Metro, but B, I suddenly became a person who didn't have a title anymore. And mm. so when people would ask me, what do you do? I felt such a tremendous sense of shame saying I was a stay-at-home mm. mom. And you know what? That is a terrible thing for me to admit yeah. because it's so disrespectful to all of the work that stay-at-home moms do. And I am in no way devaluing the work that Absolutely. we do because it is important work. It is really the most necessary important work. work. Yes, But I had been told... A, but partly by yeah. my mom, who grew up in a different generation. And yeah. I think stay-at-home moms during the generation of my moms had a very different um, world. They lived in a very different They had no power. They basically were at the mercy of the finances that their husbands brought home. Right. And I think she didn't want me to have that kind of life. And so she okay. always made me feel like I needed to do anything other than be a stay-at-home mom. Hmm. There was that messaging. And B, I just felt like there's a family script in my family where if you don't have success that others acknowledge that is not success right um and that was fed to me at a very young age by my grandpa by my dad and so when i lost my job which wasn't even like such a prestigious job i mean to be honest like being working at a no offense but like working at a church is not necessary That's prestigious. I, I mean, if, if you ask me as a kid, what is like the definition of success? I wouldn't necessarily be like the director of justice, advocacy, and compassion. I mean, it was great, <laughs> but you know, that's not necessarily what the world views as success. I'm just going to be honest. Yes. But to lose that completely made me feel like I didn't know who I was anymore. And I felt mm. like I had really wor- like lost my worth, you know, as a person. Wow. So it's been, you know, not to, not to go too much into the details of it, but um, over the past few years, what is it like now five years? It's been this season of purging all the messages that I had been told about identity and self-worth that were not from God and really kind of um, focusing on what God says I am and who God says I am, which is not, you know, as I think Pete Scazzaro said, right? We're not human doers. We're human beings. And we are human beings before God who are already valued and loved unconditionally. And I don't need a title attached to that. But you know what? I say it now in a very simple way, but it was not this straightforward during those few mm-hmm. years. I mean, I really, I didn't even want to go to functions with John where like I would have to meet his work people because they were all these like very successful doctors and they would ask me what I do. And I felt such, I just felt so mm-hmm. lowly being mm-hmm. like, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I just felt mm-hmm. like I had given up everything that I had worked for and I just didn't know who I was anymore and I felt so shameful about huh. it and so so, yeah. so do, you, do you still feel that though do you still like when, when you go because you still have to go to functions with with your with your husband and do you still feel that when 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 you say I'm a stay-at-home mom I'm not gonna say I don't feel it at all I think because I live in a world where I think the messaging is there. And to be honest, sure, I'm a new creation in God, but I think right. there's still things that resurface if I'm not really checking my heart. And yeah. so, you know, it's still there, but I think I've come to a place where I can check myself now and I don't mm. fall into this pit of despair. You know, I don't know. That's not what God says. You know, that's cultural. That's not biblical. Right. You know, right. that's family culture, that's society culture, but that is not biblical. And so I can check myself. But yeah, I mean, um, are there days when I still feel like, a failure yes because i have nothing to show like as a stay-at-home mom you work so hard 
but if you work re- this is the irony of the stay-at-home mom you work really hard all day mm. and if you do your job really well nobody knows you did anything wow you know the house just that's pretty profound the way it is yeah if you don't do your job the house is in disarray but if you do your job really well nothing changes mm. And so Mm. you just, it, a lot of times it just goes unnoticed, the work that we do. And it's not just, you know, the housework, like, okay, my daughter who's nine, whom I love dearly, but (laughs) I almost whacked for this comment. She said to me a couple of weeks ago, she said, mom, if you were ever to die, I would really miss your cooking. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, in that moment, you really have to confront the reality of who, you know, who you like, am I going to listen to, am I going to reduce my value to a line chef? Like a line That's... cook, or am I going to listen to God who tells me I'm more than what I cook for my family every night? You oh, know? man. <laughs> Listen, that's her way of saying how much she loves you, all right? Just take it like sure that. Sure is. I mean, she yeah. does love food, so, you know, maybe. But, you know, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting thing. So, yeah, it's still there, but I think I yeah. check myself now and I say, no, that is not, I, you know, I am who I am in God, and that is my only identity that I need. Well, you know, Sua, though, like, the reason why I know you're good is because you haven't rushed to get a job. You know, you haven't rushed to say, you know what, I got to feel content. I got to feel, I got to feel like I'm fulfilled. So I can now, I got to like find a job. And, uh, and the fact that you have continued to committed yourself to your family and to your children, which I, you know, I, which I think is just such one of the most important jobs. It's the most important job to focus on that, you know, obviously our culture, our society, and even in the church, we don't value enough. Uh, but you didn't rush and say, well, I got to get a job. I got to get a job. I got to do something. And I think that says a lot about kind of where you're at with it and how you've processed it. What would you say, what would you say to, you know, the mother right now, the mom that's lis- listening right now that really does struggle with it right now? And, and there were you like maybe four years ago. What would you say to them right now? What advice would you give to them? Well, you know, what's the ironic thing is I'm actually really happy as a stay-at-home mom. And mm. when I moved to Charlotte after Metro, it was the first time that I felt like I really enjoyed being a parent because before that, it w- I was in such a survival mode. And part of that was because John's schedule was just so terrible. Like he literally was rarely home on the yeah. weekends. Um, it was me. We were like two ships passing in the night. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I would come home and then he would have to leave for work. And then he so there was never a time when. I could just enjoy my children with another parent because it was just constantly like, what do you need? My Is my mother-in-law coming tonight? Is the babysitter coming tonight? Is John going to be like, it was just yeah. such a crazy time. And so when I moved to Charlotte and I didn't have any other obligations other than just being a parent, it was the first time in my life where I could really kind of, this is nice. You know, I can mm. really enjoy my children. But here's the irony. There was this voice in my head that constantly was trying to rob me of that joy because it kept saying, well, you're not doing what you're supposed to do yeah. though. Like this is yeah. not what you're supposed to be doing. Like, yeah, yeah enjoy what, enjoy it, but you're not doing the right thing. And yeah. so it was these competing things where in my heart, I felt at peace, but then in yeah. my head, I felt like I wasn't doing something, you know? And so don't let, I think, a voice that is not from God rob you of your joy yep. of being a parent. I think that's what I would say because now I am extremely happy uh, where I am. Go. And you know, the, the voices surface sometimes, especially when I see a lot of my other friends being out in the work field and doing really, really well. I'm so happy for them, but simultaneously, it kind of casts a light on my deficit 
yeah. quote unquote of like, wait, they're doing all these things. What am I doing? Like sitting here doing nothing. But then I have to remind myself, like, this is not nothing. You know, yeah. this brings me yeah. joy. This brings me, I have peace with my station or my current mm. situation in life. And um, I just want to enjoy it and not be robbed of that joy from a voice that is not from God. Yeah. You know, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Really, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And as I've got a time to sort of ponder sort of my mm -hmm. area of doubt, here's probably my greatest doubt that I've ever had was, is just in myself, you know, no matter what. It's always been a struggle. Like I doubt myself regularly. And the reason why I doubt myself so regularly, and I think you can identify with this, because this is where it comes from. Doubt is a secondary emotion. Um, the primary emotion where doubt comes from is shame. Mm. And shame, and I've, I've, I've shame is so toxic because shame doesn't necessarily remind you or teach you that you're capable of making mistakes. Shame tells you that you are the mistake, mm -hmm. and that's why it's so destructive. So I am constantly fighting this battle because I grew up in such shame. Um, you know, my my history is if you, if you you know I grew up in a physically abusive home when yeah. my father was drunk. You know, only he wasn't drunk all the time. He was an alcoholic by no stretch. But whenever he was drunk, he was mm -hmm. physically abusive. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you go through that as a little kid. Uh, you know, you don't have the proper emotional faculties to process it. You just kind of conclude there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And that's why your yeah. dad is doing what he's doing. And so, yeah. And then I, you know, third grade, I moved to Palisades Park, New Jersey. And it's all Italian and Irish people. And blue collar town. And everyone's making fun of me because I'm Asian. And I'm just like, oh, man. It's like, I hate being Korean. Yeah, I just, hard. I can't because it just causes shame. And so I think all my life I've kind of battled that. But I think the most recent where I have battled shame or I have really doubted was, um, and I, I, you know, I'm please forgive me, uh, Pastor Sunita, uh, a good friend, but also a staff member of mine uh, at the church. Um, I didn't, never even cleared this with her, but uh, forgive me if this, ah, this should be fine. But, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> going back to what I said Sunita, about him being I, sus. <laughs> Sunita, I got to keep this wrong and real. So sorry if you get angry with That's me so about this, sus, all right? But it, it really talks about me more than her. She is, you know her. She replaced you, right? She's the, Sua. She's the best. You know, when I left, I was like, do you know who came to replace me? Because they'd be like, oh, they're really going to miss you. And then be like, let me tell you about the person. And then I would tell them about her. And then they'd be like, they're not going to miss you. <laughs> well, like, you, let's never say you. We, we got a Su, we got a Su Hong on, on steroids, all right? Oh so she is so, so... She's categorically her own thing. She's she amazing. is. She is so freaking gifted. Seriously. I mean, like gifted in every way she is an amazing communicator she is incredibly you know she's harvard pedigree all of this amazing stuff. And, just amazing. and she's just there's 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 not enough superlatives to describe who this woman is right and i know sometimes <laughs> probably we should have her on the show because probably for her to live up to that all the time i'm sure it's it it, it causes an undue yeah. amount of pressure on her so she's so good but we need to have her was, on the show there was a time there was a time sua where she was getting asked to preach at church planting conferences and huh. I was being overlooked for it. To represent Metro? No, no, just just to talk about, like in the New York, New Jersey area, they wanted Sunita to speak. Interesting. Like yeah. at these, with, with church planters. And I used to think to myself, mm. she's never planted a church before. Mm. Why the heck are they asking her to oh, do wow. this? Why aren't they asking me? I'm yeah. the one who planted this yeah. church. It's not her. I'm the senior pastor of Metro Community mm -hmm. Church. Why the heck are they asking her? You talk about doubt. Mm 
You talk wow. about feeling like, are you a failure? Like, do wow. they think she's better than you? Like, what's going on here? And I'm telling you, I got so jealous. I got oh, so yeah, jealous of her. Really hard. I would get angry you know she, and you know the great thing about sunita is that she would always ask me well pastor peter i've been asked to speak at this is it okay is it okay mm-hmm. and i would say yes it's okay it's but okay inside, but inside it's like it's not okay it's not okay but you know what the worst part of all this was sua here it is here it is because she's so gifted right my friends attend these church planning conferences and when she's speaking they are texting me yo i just want to let you know Sunita's preaching right now, and she is just amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Now, yeah. a healthier sense of me would be like, oh, yeah. But, you know, and inside I said, oh, of course she is. She's great. She's wonderful. And they're like, wow, you're really blessed to have her. Mm-hmm. And it just was like, put the salt on the wound oh, a little bit more. Hard. And it wasn't like, no, just like one. She's blessed to have me. It was, it was yeah. multiple people oh, like, Mish. So and like one guy just said, yo, she's tearing this roof down. Like she's tearing this roof down. And I remember I was a part of Peace Cruzero's leadership thing. And he, you know, we would get together every month with about five or six other pastors in, in the New York, New Jersey area. And this one guy came up to me. He's a church planner in Brooklyn. He was at this conference and he comes up to me and he's like, hey, hey, Peter. I'm like, my name is Tyler. I never met you. But I just want to just say hi, and I just want to let you know that last month, Sunita came and preached at this church planners conference thing. <laughs> and man, she really spoke to me, ministered to me, man. She is such a gifted communicator. And you know what I really wanted to say to him? I want to say, Tyler, get on www.emetro.org and go on to one of my sermons and listen to it, because I'm pretty freaking awesome too. All right? I'm pretty damn good myself, all right? I was like, listen to one of my sermons, all right? Maybe you could compliment oh me gosh, and not yeah. just her. Yeah. But of course I didn't say that, yeah. Sue. I put on yeah, a big smile and I said, okay. I was like, of course she is. She's great. She's so great. So blessed. Hashtag blessed. And uh, so I'm doing this doctoral program oh called gosh, Soul C- really at, uh, on, on Global Leadership. And one of the, the classes is on soul care. And Dr. Reamer's teaching on it. And he's talking about all the deadly effects of shame. And I'm just sitting in there and I'm like, Oh my God. Like I have let this get to me in such a way where I start to doubt more of myself Mm -hmm. to the Mm -hmm. point where I started to get angry and bitter and competitive with Sunita. Yeah. And so what I had to do was the only thing I could do is that I actually went into her office and I asked her to forgive me. I confessed it completely to her. And I asked her to forgive wow. me, and uh, and she, of course, you know, Sunita, Sunita, she said, oh, my God, I didn't know that. And I was like, yeah, of course you didn't know that because I could yeah. kind of fake it. But I said it was happening, and I just said, would you please forgive me? And, of course, she said I would. And I said, can you just pray for me because I need you to pray for me. Mm. And something beautiful happened afterwards. I realized that what God showed me after she prayed for me, I just said, you know what, Sunita, I realize this. I realize that you have to have a much more significant voice than me because you have a gift. You have so many different gifts, but it's so important that God uses you because so f- there are so few women that are being used and being invited to, to speak at big conferences and things mm-hmm. like that. And I just think more men pastors and women pastors, they need to continue to hear about yeah. leadership, about yeah. how to follow Jesus from, from a voice of a woman. Yeah. It's really key. And just God revealed it to me. Like I realized oh my God, it's so much bigger than me, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
And now, like, I've gotten to a place where I've become such a big advocate for her, and uh, it doesn't bother me uh, the way it used to bother me in the past. She'll ask me, hey, I've been asked, and she, she's so respectful. I've been asked to preach here. Is that okay? And I'm like, of course, go for it, Sunita. And, you know, we kind of have a rule for people, pastors at Metro. We can't really miss more than four Sundays to preach, you know, uh, and be away from Metro. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just said to her, I said, hey, listen, you know, because, because of your special calling, like, you know, just make sure you tell me and we talk about it. But it shouldn't be a problem. You know, we can make you, you know, we can make exceptions for you because I think your calling is, is real special here. So, so saying all that, that was probably my time where I just start to have, I had to confront myself with shame. And that's the thing. Shame is what perpetuates the doubt. Shame is what grows our doubt. And if we want to deal with our doubts and our fears, we have to deal with our shame. And the only way you deal with it, according to the psychiatrists that I've done a lot of reading on, is that you have to become vulnerable. And if you don't become mm. vulnerable, you hustle for your worthiness all the time. And that's Question the harsh for you. reality. Yep. Has it been so? Because I think this is not a foreign response. I mean, maybe the exact context would be different, but I think a lot of us struggle with this idea of you know, success being a zero sum game where if you take yeah. some that I can't have, I have yeah. to have less. And I've, you know, in my earlier days, I definitely a lot more than now struggled with other people becoming more successful and me feeling mm. like that means there's less for me now. Right. Mm. Whereas like now you see the bigger picture and that's not, that's not how it is at all. You know, um, not even in the world, but especially not in God's kingdom, you know? Yeah. But my question for you would be, was that then kind of, you just had a solution and then it ended there and you've never had to struggle with that ever again. Like, does, does it just get purged in that moment, like instantaneously, where when God revealed to you, oh, this is how it is, then you're like, you know what? This is great now. And so you've just never, like, no, 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 no. It's, 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 diff uh, here's the difference. The difference is this I may still have some of those feelings because, yeah, shame is not, it's not something that's like, it's not something that's completely gone in my yeah. life. I'm dealing yeah. with every day, I'm dealing with laying down my shame, you know, um, and just because there's always those voices and those reminders of like, hey, you're nothing, you're a loser, yeah. you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so it's not like it doesn't uh, ever, like I'm completely unscathed by it. Mm. What I know now is that I have a choice. Before I didn't have a choice. Before I just resorted to my dysfunction and I didn't have a choice, but now I know I have a choice. The choice I have is simply this, can I just be happy and know that it's good, this is God's calling mm -hmm. for her, mm -hmm. and this is the platform that God's calling her for, or do I just get jealous? Mm. And I, you know, like, honestly, Sua, if God didn't do this, like, let's just take this to the extreme, because you know, you know sometimes I like to think in the extreme. <laughs> Sua, if I didn't deal with my shame and these doubts that I had, like, let's say, I mean, I could have fired her. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. I could have figured out a way to yeah. fire her. You know, and I, I remember this was during the time when, you know, we had my, my discipleship class, HD, and, uh, you know, and one of the things we do in HD is that we share our lifeline, our life story, right? Mm -hmm. And you've done it, you know, you yeah. shared your lifeline, your life story, and she shared her story, and it was so incredibly heartbreaking, but so powerful at the same mm -hmm. time. And uh, I remember just driving home and I got very emotional. I started to tear up and I just said, God, man, if you didn't help me with this, mm. I probably could have fired her mm. because of my dark side, because of the yeah. shame. Yeah. And I just said, thank you. And I have to work. And so I'm not like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like people still will say, Sunita is amazing. And I have a choice now. I have a choice to either be jealous 
or I have a choice to be happy and support her. And I choose, I choose to support her and say, this is, I, that's my job. My job is now to continue to support and continue to allow her to have the platform that God is calling her to have. And, you know, uh, do I feel, do I wish it was me? Of course, mm -hmm. there are times I wish it was me. But that's God's calling upon our life. And I can't, this is not a competition and God's yeah. called her for something special. And I think something bigger than me, bigger than what God's called me to do. And I have to be okay with that, you know? And so that's kind of where I'm at with that. So yeah, I think the biggest difference is this. I just have a choice now. In the past, I didn't have a choice. I just let my sort of my shame and the dark side kind of get to me in a way yeah. where I just kind of started to like, just let that marinate in my soul and it wasn't good. It didn't it wasn't good at all. I mean, I think that's actually, I mean, I know this is not the topic for today, but I mean, it kind of ties in, right? Because freedom, I'm thinking the word freedom, right? Because yeah. to choose yeah. God's way, right? Before we didn't even have the choice. We were just tied to our flesh. So that's the only yeah. way we could think by being jealous and thinking yep. of ways to be destructive. But now we have the choice. We have the freedom to choose the way God sees it. Um, yep. And I think that is awesome. Of course, let me just tell you, um, if you want to talk about jealousy, literally, uh -huh. like, one of the last Sundays after when I was still on Jack and Sunita was kind of, I, I was passing the torch to Sunita and Sunita yeah. actually came and preached. That was the first sermon I think Sunita ever preached at Metro, literally uh -huh. after she preached. My husband, <laughs> he's like, she's amazing. She yeah. was like, Sunita is so good. She, I think she's like, even better than Pastor Peter at this point. Like, she's so good. <laughs> Yo, and I was like, first of all, like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can tell Beat you this down, now. Man. I can tell you this now. You know, it's it's a true <laughs> test for you to see if you've really moved yeah, past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, come on. Like, are you really going to say that to your own wife who's now being yeah. replaced by this <laughs> Sunita the Great? Like, there are things you should say and things you should say to your soul partner. You know, that's those right, are maybe one right. of those things that's you should right, say. That's to right. That's right. But yeah, I mean, obviously, no. And you know what? That didn't bother me because I think to me, it was literally like, come on. Sunita is like, plutonium like she cannot be compared to me a lay person like she's like her own thing you know and i you know but yeah she, she's pretty powerful so. you know so i i think i think the the gist of this podcast is that we all have doubts uh we all go through them and sometimes those doubts lead to a deep amount of fear um they come into they come in the form of jealousy but really the genesis of where that all begins is our shame and you know in an aging asian culture shame is such a big thing yeah. And secrecy is such a big thing so that people don't see the real, what our family is really like. Yep. Don't you know, air your dirty like laundry. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why this podcast, we started it was because, you know, we want to do our best to be honest and vulnerable, but we've done that enough. You and I have done that enough where we feel like we have dealt with our shame. And if you've never taken that journey, it's okay. I want to encourage you to start it. And how you start it is you start this journey of becoming vulnerable and being honest about who you are and things that you struggle with. And I think it'll just lead hopefully to a life where you will begin to feel more at peace with yourself. And the most important thing I think Sua is you love yourself in a healthy way and you can't love yourself in a healthy way when you have shame that's the mm -hmm. problem yeah. um, because you're yeah. constantly wanting other people to love you because you're trying to overcompensate for the lack of love you have for yourself and so that's why shame is so toxic and deadly mm -hmm. and we have to get past that and when you can be honest and real about it and like the way I was with Sunita and she embraced me she loved me she prayed for me like okay it's not so bad and I'm still lovable
at the end of the day. And I think at the end of the day, we all need that. We all need to know that we are still lovable in the midst of some of our dark, shameful things that we have and some of the things that we've committed as a result mm. of it. But we need to be vulnerable. And that's why the soulmate stuff is so important. But it's just important to do battle with that. And when you do, I think what it does is that it gives you a healthier sense of who you are so yeah. that you can just embrace you know, the rigors of the world and the things that we have to go through in our lives. So sure. that's one of the reasons why. So I do hope, I do hope that this helped you today. You know, um, Yeah, so yeah, I mean, any other thoughts you have, Sua? No. Before we close it out? No, I think, um, I think that was it. You know, we're not giving shame the power to control no more. our decisions. Yeah, we are yeah, free. Less, less, less Chains kick are broken. Shame. Chains are less broken. Less kick shame's booty. Um, as much as we can yeah. uh, so that it no longer rears its ugly head. Agreed. And the best book I have ever read on shame, if you're ever interested, is uh, a psychiatrist by the name of Kurt Thompson. And he wrote a book called The Soul of Shame. Mm. The Soul of Shame. And he, uh, he really unpacks it. And so if you have any questions, any comments, any feedback from this podcast, feel free to just log on at weakpastor.org and make sure you comment, you share with us. Uh, what you thought about this podcast, but hopefully it was beneficial for you. But we're all in this journey, and I just want to thank you so much for listening. And thank I do you. hope that you will listen again next week. Take care. <laughs>